Welcome. Welcome. To the Love Change Podcast. Hello. <laughs> First and foremost, thanks to you, our viewers, giving replies, comments, encouraging us. Keeps us going, makes us happy that we're mm -hmm. creating content that's valuable and uh, reaching people. Yeah, resonating with yeah, people. That's super nice. Much gratitude, much appreciation, and blessings. much love. Blessings, yeah. blessings. Today, I'm going to talk about food, I want to <laughs> say. <laughs> but, it is kind of related. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, changing your diet. Our uh, lovely Kay uh, is going to sneak in some commercials. So you know. Because she does a lot of stuff with food. <laughs> um, the true foodie. <laughs> the true foodie. Uh, and uh, yeah, a lot of us go through changes. A big part mm -hmm. of change is also your diet. I feel like uh, as a human being, you might have a couple of favorite dishes, but some things that you used to like binge eat back in the day you cannot touch these days and you're mm -hmm. it's almost like your diet not only changes with the seasons but also with your age mm -hmm. and of course with the level of uh, wisdom and awareness that you have about uh, how this organism that you're uh, living in mm -hmm. functions mm -hmm. yeah and also vice versa i feel not only changes your diet have the diet the ability to change your body, mm -hmm. but also your mind, your character. It has a huge influence on that as well. Okay. okay. You are what you eat. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Sadhguru so, is always nice about it. Yeah. Like if you eat a banana, <laughs> you the become banana, banana. The banana becomes you. So are you a banana? <laughs> I would love to be a banana. Yeah. That would be simple. Yeah. Monkey life. Monkey life. <laughs> True. All right. Cool. Thanks for tuning in today. Let's get to Lovely. it. Do you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, Hit me. Hit yes, me. I will. Uh, how was your experience changing to a vegan diet? Because that will also happen before I met you, that you have been already vegan. Um, how was what that? was my experience? A lot of resistance from my mom. She raised me on meat, so in her mind, I need meat, and still it saddens her a bit, and mm -hmm. I feel like she celebrates little victories when she's able to sneak in some beef mm -hmm. stock into a stew or something. Yeah, also little meat pieces <laughs> and something, and <laughs> yeah. you eat it because it's just like a childhood memory. I am not an ethical vegan. I, uh, I'm sorry for the little rabbits and chickens and cows. But um, I have seen the butchering of chickens and lambs. I've done it. Mm -hmm. It's gross. It's uh, definitely not something that I would be willing to do every day to eat a piece of meat. That's why I also don't eat a piece of meat every day. Mm -hmm. Biggest reason I did it was after I broke my leg, the wound got infected. The surgery... Uh, left me with an infection and uh, my mom was feeding me uh, like sheep knuckles with a lot of collagen sheep knuckle soup because i needed knuckle soup to recover my bones 
And at <laughs> some point it was grossing. It's like snot. It's like snotty with bones yeah. in it. And it was grossing me out. And I never throw away food. But that moment, like my body took over and just uh, emptied the plate in the toilet. All the Tupperware full of it. Emptied in the toilet. Made myself a salad and was like, dealt with this stuff. So I... Uh, I think I was pretty strict vegan for about a year after that mm. and uh, super nice experience I guess in the sense that I had less pain in my joints less pain mm. in my muscles less inflammation yeah. less urinary tract infections um, I would miss pigging out on like junk food once in a while mm. so I wouldn't eat meat eat super healthy and then once in a while, go get a capsulum. I don't know if you know what that is. It's like this uh, fries with shawarma on top with cheese in the oven. So the cheese melts and then you add some salad. It's like it's like a brick. If you eat it, you have to like go lay, lay down, down somewhere. For a while. <laughs> and it's like the worst meat you can eat. So I was kind of upset with that, that I couldn't snack. And then slowly the the vegan scene in Amsterdam transitioned super hard into like vegan junk food bar mm -hmm. and like vegan mm -hmm. snacks and like basically the way of vegan that I was living was just eating a lot of stir fries um, Asian style with just mm -hmm. vegetables uh, and that made me crave other foods once in a while yeah and um, nowadays i do buy more fake meat products like the burgers or the sausages or like crispy stuff just because it's comforting i would say it's like yeah unhealthy like that's what i noticed when i was eating vegan like i was eating super healthy like Nothing was nonsense. It was basically the only aisle I would visit in the supermarket was the vegetable aisle. Mm. And uh, beans, bean product. Yeah, I would get dry beans, soak them, lentils, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But at some point, I was missing uh, some yeah. textures, some some dishes, also the convenience. Like I don't know. But in overall, my experience with being vegan is that if I now eat meat bigger than my two fingers, I get a hangover. I like really notice it and uh, I get super trippy dreams. I get like super aggressive, violent dreams. Which according to a macrobiotic lifestyle. Is exactly happening. Yeah, you take the stress on a cellular level, like that animal has been butchered probably yeah. in a not so peaceful environment. So yeah. Um I think to each its own. I feel like uh my body works better, I recover better. Mm. Um, so for me I've done it purely out of health. Mm -hmm. objectives and I don't shoot myself if I do eat meat if I feel like eating it it's I think pushed my consumption of meat of 
let's say I would eat meat five times a week. Oh, well, that much. I'm just saying something. I don't even know if it's true. It's a long time ago. Yeah, would I eat five times a week meat? Probably, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, can I be. can't really yeah. remember. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think if I would cook for people, always would be chicken or lamb. Mm. If I would uh, spoil myself, it would always include meat, uh, bacon, stuff like that, super salty. Mm -hmm. And now it's like once every two months that I would eat yeah. meat. Uh, every two months you would have some now meat I would eat now. yeah I think some Persian dish dishes <laughs> they kind of only work with meat. yeah I'm not gonna eat hormasabzi uh, without meat yeah, I've, no. <laughs> I've eaten it I have eaten most of the Iranian dishes without meat my mom cooks those your mom really started to super replace. nice with yeah. tempeh a lot of mushroom stuff yeah she would mention now and then that that dish would be amazing with lamb <laughs> But it's also good without. My experience yeah, has yeah. been good. I am like I know a friend of mine, Sia, like he won't eat at a place where they fry the, the same oil. in the same oil. Mm. He like I knew a girl in Curacao, she was disgusted by the texture of meat. She I have no aversion to meat. Mm -hmm. For me, meat is just like pizza. Like I know if I eat it, it's going to mess me up. Mm -hmm. It's going to be tasty. One slice of yeah. pizza is okay. But if I eat the whole thing, it's just going to mess me up. So yeah. for me, it's really like a bottle of whiskey. It's, it's nice, but like it's going to cost you tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Tomorrow is still the day you're going to wake up and you'll be like... Eh. Yeah. So I, I personally... I'm amazed by how much the body can take. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I don't think the human body is designed to be uh, vegan. I feel like we're designed to have all of them. The body can run on all the sources. Mm -hmm. I feel like meat for me is also celebration. And then you're like celebrating by getting super fucked up, which is also kind of <laughs> funny that, that you're like happy, <laughs> happy to go back to normal life and not celebrate and just eat your vegan uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I myself, I'm more the ethical side. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I think as a kid, I was always a bit disgusted by meat textures. Like my parents would let, make me eat liver chicken hearts mm. and before I could understand what it was. And at some point I started to ask questions and when I really found out it's a chicken heart that I'm chewing on, the texture is amazing. That's what I get excited about. But when I found out it's a chicken heart, I was just like, no way. Like, this is not happening. This is just really gross. <clears throat> and I didn't touch it for a long, long time. And um, yeah, at some point uh, I think I was educating myself about that part, watching documentaries and really thinking about it and being like, it's a pretty simple equation for me saying I don't want to eat what I cannot kill so I have a fishing license that's why now and then we have fish I'm also not a full vegan person but that's something that I can manage like I killed a couple of fishes in my life and I'd be fine with doing it still but killing an animal absolutely not happening and uh, yeah I think that's that's all about it and um, I myself I believe that we are not necessarily made to eat meat because if you look back it was just like it was really a feast 
when there was an animal hunted, it was a feast. Other mm. than that, it would be grains and berries and nuts and whatever was mm. available. So, and people also like would have big breaks of non-food. So that's why for me, intermittent fasting, for example, which we're going to talk about later, is falling into place and really making sense for the body to process everything, clean everything up and be ready for the next. What's that face? Are we going to talk about intermittent fasting? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> so yeah, um, my next question to you. Do you have a stress eating pattern and how do you deal with that? I think yes, I do have a stress eating pattern. Uh, actually, intermittent fasting helped me overcome that. See, and we talk about intermittent fasting. <laughs> but I think my... Uh, um, yeah, usually if I have had... Uh, like, I don't smoke, I don't drink. Uh, if I'm stressed out and I want to, like, not deal with that, then I munch chips. Crunch. Yeah, crunch. <laughs> Stuff has to crunch a lot. Like I, I cannot just eat. I cannot open a bag of chips and... Put it away halfway. <laughs> it just has to go empty. It's like there's like this... You lose the crunch. If you don't <laughs> eat it now, you lose the crunch. You should also not breathe too much while you're eating it. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah, you should just eat the thing as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah, and how do I do deal with it? I think I'm doing better. Uh, I just love food. So I don't know when I'm having a super food day, if I'm stressed out then or I'm just like do, having fun. I think the biggest noticeability between stress eating and normal eating is whether you cook or not. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. for me, cooking is really deflating and like relaxing and just like good self-care ritual yeah self-love yeah super yeah. nice like yeah you have to do it on time you have to i don't know stress eating I feel like I'm doing less of it. I feel like I'm completely dealing differently with my stress. Mm, that would be also my observation. Yeah. yeah, I think I don't go so hard on chocolate. Like I would like everything I would eat, I would eat excessively, like snacks and stuff. Mm. Like, Yeah, the most fascinating thing for me is like we can have like proper dinner and then you can just destroy a bag of chips full by yourself. Yeah, yeah, I never eat chips before dinner. Seriously, like, like not breathing, absolutely. Yeah. It's just like fascinating. Like it had, like, I don't know, if I didn't eat dinner, then I might have three chips or like along the dinner, have a couple of chips, but then afterwards I'm just full. And what I really don't like is this feeling of like being too full. No, I think that's also something I'm learning like is like- bug on the back. <laughs> I had a period that I would like not feel satisfied if I didn't eat to the brink of explosion mm -hmm. like my eyes still want to eat so I keep eating and I'm actually already full mm -hmm. but I keep stuffing my face or what my cousin can do like I made him like I had some leftover lentil stew I warmed it up it was one portion he was there I divided it in two so it was half a portion in my mind 
he ate like half of that portion and then walked away went smoked a cigarette mm-hmm. and i was like how can you eat half a bite like i really i got raised on like finishing your plate yeah. i have the same but uh, at the same time i also have seen people who are just eating delicious food and then like oh i'm full and then they stop eating and they <laughs> save it for later yeah I find that amazing. I completely disregard that signal from my stomach. So uh, I think that's an area of growth for me mm-hmm. to uh, yeah, be, be satisfied with, okay, did I consume enough? Am I okay? And that it's also still available and gonna come back. I think what that, is this thing? That's what I think it's the Iranian thing. <laughs> yeah, it is an Iranian thing. Yeah. If you're full, if you eat if you ate too much, you have to it's eat some favorite. fruit to push it down. And then you have to eat some sweets, some shirini. 40 bites. 40 bites. Yeah, the overeating is definitely an Iranian <laughs> ritual. Like you listen, have to pe- listen, people, please. <laughs> yeah, you have to, you have to have trouble breathing. <laughs> otherwise you didn't eat enough, or like people like you're visiting people. Imagine you're having dinner with people and then the host says you didn't eat anything. <laughs> I cooked all this food. You didn't eat anything. Let me put some on your plate. And then you just finished eating. You finished your plate. Struggling to finish your plate. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's definitely a culture thing. Like if I look at, if I think of French people or uh, Kurdish and Iraqi people, friends of my mom, uh, they cook the whole day, just like us. We're cooking a whole day. Like are in the kitchen making the stews you have to fry it and cook it and boil it and this that three four hours <laughs> and then we sit down and like it's Destroy. like the stopwatch goes off <laughs> because that's not but the truth is if you do not eat fast enough you cannot eat that much exactly you just cannot yeah because your, your body, body is like yeah man i'm full so that before the signals from your stomach can reach your brain i just push it to the limit <laughs> push it completely destroy it and then yeah you're just like comatose and you have to like drink black tea and then some sugar to keep your blood pressure on, on level it's like a whole it's almost like a drug party with uppers and downers it's just like <laughs> and always we also like in iran lunch is a warm meal and lunch is also you eat and you sleep Mm-hmm. And dinner is like you leave at 11 in the evening. You eat super buttery, oily, and then you sleep. Wow. So, uh, yeah, God bless diabetes and heart attacks. I don't know. I'm Cholesterol. That part <laughs> of me, yeah, that part of me, I really notice. I cannot feel satisfied if I just eat a plate and be like, yes, this was enough uh, nutrition and i think if i would put a plate of steamed veggies in front of you it'd be like no thanks no i'll eat it and I'll yeah eat something but else. you would add some butter on it <laughs> no nah, like... I, eat, I eat plenty of steamed stuff not oily stuff but, but i have had an effect on your better. oil usage yeah you used to use super little and now you're using yeah. more I but coming back this is still not the story that was told the full way <laughs> i feel that needs to be shared if you come to someone, you invite it for food and you say, hey, I just ate 40 bites can go into your body. That's the thing she's saying. 40 bites. Insulting the cook. Insulting yeah. the cook. In Iran, if you do not stuff your face, you're insulting the chef. Yeah, but still, people, 40 bites. I'm saying good luck with that. 
I don't so know how very... to. I'm very curious. I remember when we spoke about going to Iran, you said usually when you just board off the plane, you already gained three kilo. Really looking forward to that trip. It's going to be fun. <laughs> so, yeah. No. My uh, last question, not necessarily diet related, but still a very good one. Mm. What's your favorite food from your childhood and what memories do you connect with it? I think food is really something that is so emotional and so, yeah, wired into a certain memory within mm. our family and moments where we would have that food. So I was curious. I think anything that comes off of fire. Mm. I think the fondest memories I have is uh, going to the mountains with my cousins or family. The Iran picnic is a big thing. That's so great. you just pack your dry rice and cans of tuna and you have dry tea and a pot and uh, you walk into the mountains, you find some water source, and you cook there. That's and so nice. Like we say chai dudi, which means smoked tea, or like berenj dudi, which means smoky rice. Anything that you cook on fire is going to be smoky. Mm -hmm. That's why I love barbecue also. I just like, I cannot deal with your fancy Weber <laughs> with the gas. It's like, where's the smoke, you know? It's just like the stove, but then outside. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, so for me, I think uh, the element of fire uh and and i think uh somebody's homemade produce so like somebody's farmed fish or caught mm. fish or own cheese own butter um really uh anything you cannot buy in a supermarket mm -hmm. i appreciate like mm -hmm. we were buying the fruit next to the road in spain mm -hmm. Or if there is some vendor when, when I was in Colombia selling strawberries, mm -hmm. I always appreciate it more if all the middlemen are out. And yeah. I guess if there is one dish I have to call, I think the smoked tea is delicious, but also just the rice on the fire is delicious mm -hmm. with eggs, simple food. My favorite Iranian dish is Gorma Sabzi. It's with a lot of uh, herbs and vegetables and meat and uh, kidney beans or tahdik. I just love food. I, I don't I, I like. I remember don't when I, I remember <laughs> when I was little. My biggest uh, <laughs> fantasy was uh, that I would have a super big house with plenty of pools, and in each pool would be one of the stews that I like. So I would have a pool. <laughs> Full of <laughs> I would have a pool full of I could imagine myself walking around with my hands in my pockets smelling all these big pools of food I know it's disgusting you cannot swim in it <laughs> but just like oh, the whole pool would be filled with all of it like I want oh, it's endless like station end, no, endless supply okay, of okay. like food these stews like that's a cute idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was a kid chubbing up, but I think uh, yeah, I'm blessed the amount of delicious food I've been able to eat, how much mm. uh, knowledge we have in the kitchen, how much I've been learning yeah. from the Asian kitchen, how much I've been learning from you, the flavors, and, and uh, also uh, I think. Uh, 
there's this Dutch saying, a boer ate niet what he niet kent. So if a farmer will not eat what he doesn't know. How can you live your whole life eating potatoes, veggies and beans always cooked in the, or meat cooked in the same manner? It's just like such a catastrophe. Yeah, but also like people like in, when I was in Indonesia, I would meet people from Germany mm. having their own Nutella jar in their backpack because mm. they were like, I cannot deal with the kitchen here. And I go, why no, you traveling? Why bother? So they would order just pancakes because that was the most European thing and then put tons of Nutella on it. Yeah, this stuff. Uh... It's just like, I feel food is so much connection to understand the culture, understand people, mm -hmm. the country and everything. People are just afraid of a bad experience. I remember my friend Navid in Curaçao. He like, you have a lot of food stalls there, many different cultures. You can get so many types of food. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think he ate something that went bad. Like, like he had a mm -hmm. trouble with his stomach. So he was like, yeah, finally, I'm starting to understand these Americans that are always happy when they see a McDonald's because you just know it's clean and it's good food that you like and you know. So this, some people might eat Indian food one time and it will upset their stomach. And that's the last time they'll eat it because they're like, can I trust this stuff? Yeah. While, yeah, I think like the touch and connection. I remember when we moved to Holland, the beginning we were at the market, we would always do groceries on the market on Saturday. Mm -hmm. It was cheapest with my mom. First, we would walk around, inspect all the check. produce, <laughs> check the prices, know where to get the apples, where to get the oranges, where to get this, where to get that. And there was a bread uh, stall. My mom grabbed one of the breads and smelled it to smell mm -hmm. if it's nice bread, fresh bread. And the guy was like, no, you touched it, you smelled it, you have to buy it. It was like, <laughs> she was so pissed because she didn't want it. She was like, ah, this is bullshit bread, yeah. I don't want to eat it. Yeah. Yeah, the... the Wow. Yeah. The the tasting, like if you look at all these cooking shows on Netflix and whatever, like the chefs, they go out, they inspect their produce, mm -hmm. they know to check how it's fresh, if it's really good, mm -hmm. then it's something you can be proud of, etc. I feel like all that stuff has been like cut short with mm -hmm. supermarkets and standardization. And yeah. I myself love doing groceries on the market. Um because also less packaging yeah and more seasonal yeah that's why i love our turkey shop so much yeah and and i guess and the reason i bring this up is that everywhere i've traveled i've tried so many things that i've never eaten before mm -hmm. and uh yeah sometimes you start missing your food yeah which is fine yeah but also sometimes you just find something new that's your food for there and then you'll miss it when yeah. you're gone. Yeah, I would usually, wherever I would go, I would just really know the city along the places where I could get my supply of mm. food, which is really funny. Yeah. yeah. A little hello back to my old uh, hometown. Yeah, you're getting... <laughs> yeah, someone tuned in from uh, Reutlingen. So, Reutlingen in yeah. the house. <laughs> in the house. Very nice. Yeah, it's pretty amazing that we yeah. got people viewing from all over the world. Eh? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we started super, off super with thanking beautiful. our fans and people watching. Yeah. Thanks to you guys, we keep doing this stuff. Keep growing yeah, yeah. the audience. Absolutely. Keep sharing the love change podcast. <laughs> sharing the love change podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna get you uh, today. Yeah. So your diet. Hit me with your questions. <laughs> Just a little side note: When Kay and I met, uh, she. Uh, uh, Let me say it. <laughs> okay, say it first. No, you want to say it and interrupt. <laughs> Basically, my... one of the reasons why I fell in love with this man is because he just loves food. The way he loves food is just incredible. <laughs> That's what I have to say. Okay. What I wanted to say, first of all, she was selling me food. It was bland, microbiotic. Bullshit. <laughs> Nah, on the real, uh, she, she had a lot of knowledge about food and she introduced me to a whole lineup of produce that I didn't know about. Mm -hmm. Super enthusiastic about cooking, very uh, uh, practiced in, in the kitchen. And then as we grew closer, I saw sometimes that uh, she actually had a whole yeah, internal... Uh, disagreement about her and food that's why i want to know how has your relationship with food can't read this change oh ah. <laughs> Jesus. you know your questions you never write them down no. <laughs> and now <laughs> how has your relationship with food changed over the years i think it sounds really heavy but i just started eating properly maybe two years ago i really literally i'm asking myself how i survived so many years without proper nutrition without no nutrition just like i would tell you like my days at work will be going out for lunch getting a big cup of coffee with uh or oat milk and then getting maybe one or two bars and a super tiny little salad and survive the whole day like that. Come back home, mm. maybe slurp a cup of miso soup and that will be it. Mm. And uh, yeah, I think the whole fashion background just really fucked up my whole body image and everything. And I was just like, I didn't have a good relationship with food at all. And uh, because of the burnout, I really needed to discover and rediscover this connection and learn how important food is and um, just really, yeah, nourish my body the right way. It was just purely malnourished. I never understood how people could have snacks in their house, chips, chocolate, whatever, because if I would buy a bag of chips, I would just like inhale it. So I would never buy a bag of chips. <laughs> that would be my solution. And uh, yeah, starting to change my diet was just like really so much time being afraid of gaining weight in first place. So mm. that was also super crazy to get my head around that. And yeah, it takes time, definitely. And also at, yeah, in the beginning, I gained weight, I lost weight. Your body is pretty intelligent if you really intuitively eat and listen to it, what it needs. And just also start to 
the intention into your mind that you're not going to gain weight. You just really nourish your body. You give it what it needs. And that, mm. that made a whole different setup for me. And if I look what I eat now and how happy I am, I mean, you know, my happy face when there is amazing bread in the house. <laughs> there it's was. just, yeah, there was, there <laughs> sorry. Was. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, like, it makes me really sad for how many years I would just not allow myself to eat anything. So what was your relationship with food first? It was completely a disturbed relationship. It was just like something, it was almost, I was treating food like an enemy. It, yeah, that's how I would phrase it. And what was the effect of that? Well, yeah, just a really bad condition, bad mindset super yeah taking all kind of supplements to kind of try to balance out what Survive, i was missing yeah. out surviving yeah i would like in the middle of the winter i would drink um super ice cold smoothies for lunch super bad like your body temperature drops your body needs to put up the energy to get but i was like yeah it's 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 great it keeps me keeps me good i would keep it even in the freezer to like make it really really cold and like super super wrong food behavior and everything and that and was how a did huge you, how did journey you to change it operate socially because for me socialize socialize gosh that was always a waffle oh bad <laughs> yeah you bad. get together you eat with people you cook with people you eat with people yeah first people. of all i have plenty allergies that was just a fact itself so whenever i would go out to dinner it was always a struggle to get something that would be possible to eat according to all those allergies so then usually you would get something like a salad anyway because most restaurants were like oh we cannot cope with gluten-free and vegan etc etc so then I would end up with eating something, but I would screen, like I would look at food, whatever I would get. And I would be like, oh, that's, that's too much calories. Cannot deal with it. So yeah, I don't know. Inviting people for dinner. Yeah. I would cook for people and I would end up eating the salad <laughs> would be my strategy. So yeah, a lot of things changed really. <laughs> you always say like, but you, you <laughs> like for me, a big thing to do is just like, like we don't we go to Rahmuni now, like, hey, let's mm -hmm. go to a place where they have, it's like a trip. It's like a little party. Mm -hmm. Let's go get to mm -hmm. eat that thing. So you take the time and effort with some other people yeah. or so treat you, yourself. Yeah. So what would you treat yourself to? You would not look at food as a treat. The less, the better. That would be the yeah. treat. Oh, horrible. And the more workout, the better. That would be the approach. So now what is your relationship with just food celebrate it i just really celebrate it mm. to eat and also just like really seeing how much you can change when you change your mindset i eat so much like i have never been eating before and i didn't gain anything mm. like your body really is able to regulate but if you stress and you tell your body oh, i'm gonna gain weight then your body is like ah did we hear we should gain weight okay let's gain weight mm. it's really that simple it takes time it takes really a lot of time and self-exploration to understand it but it is a game changer it mm. really is a game changer and yeah whatever it is i really celebrate it seeing that i can eat gluten now if it's good quality super nice sourdough bread etc i just really love it it's something 
so wonderful and delicious. Like I don't know how I could go without mm. <laughs> bread culture. Yeah, I cannot. Uh, I cannot. <laughs> you cannot understand. relate, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, for us, uh, I remember when we moved to the Netherlands. Uh, we had Dutch friends and whenever we would invite them for dinner it's just normal when we go to my mom she cooks three different dishes mm -hmm. and they taught uh, and they told her later she was like ah look at these people they didn't have food in iran so now they're overindulging oh my god because wow. whenever we go to their place there's wow. like one piece of chicken for every person and like one scoop Finita, of rice yeah. for every person it's just it's good you don't get fat but it's also boring. <laughs> and uh, then at some point, my mom was showing them holiday pictures of us in Iran and like the tables that are decked out there. It's like mm -hmm. limitless. It's like also it's very normal to like cook one weekend and then you have leftovers for three, four days, mm -hmm. you know, because it's very labor intensive cuisine. Yeah, absolutely. You want to do that every day. Um, but the, the social aspect of it is uh, enormous. Like, I cannot imagine uh, what you were doing back then because yeah. it would annoy the hell out of me if I'm super hungry and I hate food and everybody's just a stuffing face all the time. It was not a good place to be. No, no but you were also probably not a great person to be around. Oh, I could mask it pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Like, you guys enjoy your Sunday ice cream. I'm just going to drink this coffee. Yeah, well, most of the most of the times it will be like, yeah, you guys enjoy your ice cream. There's no ice cream for me. Or mm. they would have like two types of sorbet. That you didn't like. Yeah. Or didn't take because it would be Didn't yours. take, exactly, because it's full of sugar, etc. Mm. But everyone was also a bit like, yeah, of course, she's like so allergic to so much stuff. So it's also, it would not be like suspicious, you know? I think mm. I could make it work. Like many people that I talked to afterwards and I said I had a huge eating disorder, they'd be like, whoa, I never realized. So I think I was pretty you were good hiding at hiding it, it well. The allergies and stuff. Yeah. Of course I had those allergies. That was not something made up, but it would kind of like connect well. Yeah, but right now what you've discovered is that your allergies were because of your malnutrition. Because mm -hmm. now you're better in feeding your yeah. body. Yeah. The only thing that messes you up is milk. Yeah. Which is normal. Some people have it Absolutely. more than others. Yeah. And I had it already since forever. So mm. that's also no surprise. So how did your self-image affect your diet? Yeah, it's a pretty interesting question. It was really... I don't know. I would never be happy or content with my self-image and reflect that on my diet and then reflect that back on my self-image. I don't remember a day going to bed and being like, oh yeah, you feel really confident and good in your body, comfortable in your body, and you also ate according to that. And then because I ate just like no nutritional value, I would wake up the next morning and be super sluggish and just like feeling shit. But I would not understand that this it's like feeding each the other. Result of not it's eating. like a vicious cycle of two mm. things that just like connect to each other. So that's really strange. And yeah, especially seeing it now, I'm like, you know, like for example, eating carbs, eating grains, 
it is fuel for your body. It really gives you the strength. Like if you have put me on a bike three years ago, I would probably not be able to cycle anywhere because I would not have the stamina. Mm. And now I just have strong legs because I eat all those grains. And mm. this is the fuel for your body, but also the fuel for your whole metabolism to work. Mm. I didn't understand that. And at what age did that start to become a thing? The whole eating disorder? Yeah, or... that you wouldn't like, be like, oh, this is too much calories, cannot eat this. I think it finally started when I was studying and I went for my um, um, abroad internship. internship to New York. And I really, that's what I had for the first time emotional eating. Because I was really not happy in the place I was living. It was like a women's house that I was staying at. Small room, like, I don't know, if two times three meters, mm. six square meter space, looking out of my window on the wall of the next house. Mm. I would call my friend in the morning and be like, what's the weather like to know what to dress like? Mm. And I started to, that was the first time in my life where I started to really eat emotionally so i would go in the evening to starbucks get myself a tea to like have something warm because i also couldn't have a kettle in the room etc and then in a grocery store get a bag of crisps of chips of something to eat and i would like really destroy the whole bag every evening so that was your dinner also but then I would come back and really like, I really gained some weight as everyone does that goes to the US <laughs> usually. I think I gained, I don't know, maybe eight kilos or something. Mm. And then within like literally no time, I lost way more than that. So that's why I was on the verge of like being slightly anorexic. Like friends mm. of mine would be like, look at your arms. They're just like skinny, way too skinny for who you are and mm. how you build. And I think that's where it started. That's why I was really watching my diet and watching what I was eating and like seeing the effect of calories, less calories, more calories. Mm. Yeah, and then the whole fashion saga work set up didn't really help to make that better because also when you're a woman, you're getting older, you're just like, you see all those super young girlies jumping around being so skinny and just like bad. Mm. But yeah, it doesn't give you a healthy image in your head what it should be like. So I think that that's mm. kind of where it was born. Yeah, I find it interesting. I remember when I was trying to open your eyes about how healthy and little you eat, showing you all those uh, obese uh, programs <laughs> to collect oh how much people can eat in a day. And yeah what you need to eat to get super fat. Mm -hmm. Like you're like, no, no banana in the evening is a uh, calorie. Like, yeah. Ain't nobody gonna get <laughs> fat on bananas. Like you gotta really yeah. eat Snickers and Twix around the clock Crap. Super, for fast food and weeks yeah. on end yeah. to gain weight. I need to lose some bacon. I always have a little more bacon than I like on my belly. Uh, but I do not come from a place that my self-image is so much physical. Mm -hmm. And No, it's not anymore that, eh? I really mm -hmm. I really disconnected this whole 
wrong mm. ri- wiring in my head. But back in the then, that would be just like, that would be a starting point. Mm. If I would eat well, go to the gym, run a lot, wake mm. up the next morning and be like, ha ha, we succeeded yesterday. Mm. Keep going. Yeah, mm. it was all about taking a stick, beating myself up, beating a bit more <laughs> and beating mm. a bit more. That that kind of was But you were always life, so vegan I, though. Most of the time, but I would always end up in an iron deficiency because I really mm. didn't know how to. So I would take a lot of supplements. But then, uh, yeah, kind of never worked out. First first of all, when I discovered the whole macrobiotic food pattern, etc., that's for the first time where I'm like, I'm able to be sure that my iron deficiency is not kicking in anymore. Mm. And uh, that's pretty impressive. That, that really gave me a holistic idea of how I can make sure that I have no malnourishment in any kind of vitamin supplement whatever so what is your uh, guiltiest pleasure or what are your guiltiest pleasures food wise (laughs) well (laughs) where do i start the list it's a list now okay i think i'm more on the sweet side of life when it comes to that i really if i crave something it's usually sweet and uh, yeah i can spend some time in the kitchen to create stuff. Like I didn't manage to make any ice cream this summer, but if I would have time, I'd be like making dough, freezing the dough, then making ice cream with like super nice herbs and spices, and then rasp the dough into the ice cream to have like a cookie dough ice cream. That would be one of the things. (laughs) It's pretty good. yeah, I also make my own chocolate pralines, make snacks. Hot chocolate is really pretty addicted to hot chocolate, I think. Uh, that's obvious. That's pretty high on the list. <laughs> pretty high on the list. Creaminess. Everything needs to be creamy. Really creamy. Hot okay. chocolate and creaminess. Mm. Mm-hmm. But also mm-hmm. this uh, sour cream, this oatly sour cream. Yeah, that's kind of a child memory. Like when we have a sourdough and then I get the oat. It's like an oat cream sour sour cream oat cream that on bread with some salt and the bread slightly toasted heaven mm-hmm. heaven on earth but that's really like when i was little we would go to the market we would get some proper bread and this heavy cream where you like put your knife in it would just stand freezing cold winters go back home get into a warm house get a super thick slice of bread get super thick heavy cream on it salt like really thick grainy salt and eat that so that would be really my childhood memory and i just love that are you guilty for eating that no no (laughs) what is your guilty pleasure i don't know i think well i think if i eat if i eat late that's something that i regret the next day because really my digestion doesn't work very well if i eat late my stomach Mm. is definitely one of my weakest organs so that's something I have to watch. And if I, I don't know, if I like eat too little for dinner and then at 11, 12, I'm super hungry and then I snack and then I eat oily stuff, for example, like mm. bag, bag of chips for me, not good. Mm. Really, I feel it clogs my system. It doesn't do any good. That's like the guilty stuff. When I eat really late and in combination with alcohol, for example, or drinking alcohol and then eating late or the next day, pool, everything from headache to stomach ache to... Mm 
diarrhea to whatever you can imagine. No fun. So that's mm. kind of the package. No. But other than just being super creative and creating guilty pleasures, like. So you're doing a bunch of stuff with food nowadays. I do. Drop us a one-minute elevator pitch on my superfood pharmacy because not we got again. again. Not again. <laughs> Once again. Not again. <laughs> no. No. You don't want to do it. <laughs> well, what I do, what I started to do is. Uh, yeah, giving consultations to people and uh, educating people and advising them on how to change their food because of health issues, problems, whatever, fatigue, not being your best self. That's how the whole story started. And because, of course, I had the experience and I had the curiosity to know more, to study, to investigate and learn more, especially about superfoods, because that's why I believe is really important nowadays. Mm. And that's how this whole story story started. And then I was like, how can I create something that is really customer friendly and accessible mm -hmm. for everyone to understand? Not like, oh, wow, I need to spend three months of time to investigate uh, about the whole superfood mushroom world. But to be like, okay, what do you have? That's I cool. have fatigue in the afternoon. I really have a dip and I sleep also bad. And then I drink coffee and it kind of like creates a really bad pattern. I'm, I I just don't feel myself. Mm. So I was like, how can I create a product that is going to solve those problems? So mm. like one of them is laser focus. It's with matcha or beyond coffee, which is no coffee, but guarana and all kind of mushroom powders. So it gives you something that you miss, but without adding the bad stuff. So especially the beyond coffee for me is a product that, like pretty strong to call it beyond coffee. That's what we've been discussing a long time. But I feel it can keep up with mm. the whole coffee world. We all love coffee. We do, but many people are super sensitive. If they drink two coffees later than two o'clock in the afternoon, they're just like, my sleep is fucked up. I just, I cannot. And then you do it one night, you do it two nights. And at some point you just, you cannot function anymore. So you really have to create good habits. And that's where the whole idea of my superfood pharmacy was born, to create something that is going to help you be your best self. And like this is a simple example, but it really goes further into the whole medicinal idea to be like, you have bad smell in the, like you really smell bad. Your sweat smells bad. What is it? And then really looking into it, having a whole analysis having a consultation with that person and being like, yeah, what is it? Your liver is probably not taking care of the toxins. Mm. So there is a mix called long live the liver that is going to help your liver to yeah, that's helping me take about. care of that. Yeah. So that's, that's the whole idea. And um, yeah, it's, it's really nice like seeing that. And um, yeah, it went even that far to go shopping with people. Before mm. the whole Corona thing started, I would go shopping with people mm. and go with them home and cook at their place because that's the way to enable someone. Like if you go to a fancy cooking class, you're like, oh, wow, it's amazing. I love it. I want to do it. Then you go home and you're like, oh, fuck, how was that again? And you kind of never manage to create this dish mm. again. So if you do it at people's home, they might need one or two pots or something extra, but the 
satisfaction level is amazing. Mm. So all those people will be like, hey, wow, like I started to be super creative and create more, etc., cetera, mm. et cetera, based on what I learned. So the whole accessibility and enabling aspect was the most important how the whole story started to launch my superfood pharmacy. It's more than a minute though. That was very long, that's true. <laughs> Thanks for... <laughs> now all jokes aside, uh, uh, I think one place you forget to mention is that uh, food is thy medicine. Yeah. Uh, if you're noticing some effects right now, compound that on the long term you're going to have some mm -hmm. chronic illness yeah uh, that's horrible because if you look at the medication cabinet it's all side effects mm -hmm. and yeah, my, also just eat something you don't know what it is yeah my superfood pharmacy i believe uh, plays in the role of really uh, allowing your body to heal itself yeah i would call it really natural remedies first of all really no yeah. crap no crap Yep. all organic and really yeah giving your body the extra to heal itself yeah yeah maybe it's not even an extra if you look at how uh, undiversified our diet is because of where how we mm -hmm. shop and where we get our foods yeah we're just missing a whole bunch of stuff because you can buy apples and oranges maybe more than that yeah absolutely yeah mm. but it usually triggers something in your body to really get into the process of either getting more energy or getting cleansed or whatever it might be, whatever the need is of your body. But for me, the whole thing is just really fascinating. That's why even my own experience of success when I have a client and we really see results, it's just outstanding. This is just beautiful to see people shine within a couple of days to say like, hey, my skin changed already so much. I feel so much less fatigued. Yeah, you've et had a whole bunch of satisfied customers yeah. very quickly also. Like the effects are really measurable yeah. super fast. One last question. Do you mm -hmm. think if you would have had uh, the superfoods that you're consuming right now, would you uh, have not had your burnout? I think it would have postponed it. Seriously, mm -hmm. like... It's not only superfoods, it's food itself, like really real food plus mm. superfoods. Mm. That combination together is winning. I mm. was completely disregarding food and I was eating a lot of supplement. But even if I would have had the superfoods, I would have probably just prolonged the process to get a burnout. Mm. But you just can't. At and some why, point, you just why cannot would you sustain. still get a burnout? Because there was like how much malnutrition can your body take you know mm. like if you don't eat any real vitamin c any real grains any real greens anything that is mm. season related also your body completely disconnects your body just so you like think the reason for your burnout was pure dietary no the whole stress package and in connection with mm. diet my body was just getting worse and worse and worse. That would stress me more because I would push myself more and beat myself more up. Mm. And then the whole stress would get more into me. Mm. Because if you eat properly, then you have a... You just have a stamina that can deal with that. Funny thing is, plenty of people catch a burnout or eating fine. For sure. Yeah, right? Yeah. 
And that's why, before we close off, I'm going to throw in my <laughs> How Not to Burn Out webinar this Thursday yes. at 7, because that's what I do. I help you prevent burnouts. K plays an important role in the physical aspect, the health uh, nutrition aspect. Yeah. I take care of uh, seven other dimensions with uh, other professionals to make you realize how you recharge, reload. I guess you depleted yourself mm -hmm. in many aspects for a very long time. Absolutely. You gave away a whole bunch of energy that you were taking from your kidneys, basically. That's why you had to replenish your kidneys for such a long time. And uh, that's what I learned from her. <laughs> I didn't know anything about kidneys. But uh, yeah, it's a half hour webinar, 7 p.m. Yeah. Join.amormuto.com, sign up and find out about how you can prevent a burnout. Mm. How would you like to close off today's... Uh, how? How? I think it was a beautiful episode. Thank you so much for that. You're very welcome. I think it was very insightful and interesting to talk about food. I'm getting hungry. Yeah, I feel like getting <laughs> that bag of chips. That's... I knew Classic. this man is going to say that. Classic. <laughs> Thank you all again for showing Thank up, you. listening in the live or the whenever you're doing that on Spotify or podcast, Apple, Google, YouTube, Facebook even. Jesus, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're everywhere. <laughs> Share it with your friends. Yes. Please tag us. Really appreciate your support and see you on the next. Love change out. Love change out. Love change out. <laughs>